I think the biggest theme that that he and I try to to instill in in our students there is to be clinically honest. Yes. And I think that there's so many different treatment approaches out there. You could be a McKenzie or a Maitland or a Mulligan or a, an osteopathically based or whatever you do. Right. And that's fine. They all have great application, but regardless of what approach you use, be honest and test and retest and say, yeah. did it work? Just because maybe you did a thrust manipulation and you got a great pop, so what? Right. Did it change what you were looking to change in the way you expected it to change yes. based on what you've done up to that point? If you've ever asked yourself, how can I get better clinical outcomes for my patients? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Rehab Links Secrets to Success podcast, where I will be interviewing experts and teaching you how to access the best technologies, strategies, resources, and solutions so you can get the best outcomes that your patients deserve. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Rehab Links Secrets to Success podcast. I'm Lisa Chase, your host. And today I have a very special guest, Dr. Logan Cooper. Hello. (laughs) So good to finally be here. We we have been we have been wanting to do this for so long. And I'm so glad that we finally were able to pull you away from all the 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 different things that you're doing in your life that I know you're gonna share with us. So um so Logan and I have known each other quite a long time. We met at Michigan State uh, and have been teaching together for years. And then, of course, we just became really great friends. And uh, together, we've gone through several different business coaching uh, programs together. We're currently going through one now. And uh, he just has a lot of um, unique insights. So I'm excited to have him share. So you are in Maryland and uh, also in Virginia. You've got two clinics. Uh, You've Mm -hmm. got the orthopedic uh, manual therapy specialist, right? And that's in uh, Germantown. Mm -hmm. And then you have the beta, right? The The beta beta PT. PT, yeah, Mm -hmm. which is servicing rock climbers. So I know you're an avid rock climber. So I'm definitely interested in hearing a little bit more about that. So, and I know that you have a huge, beautiful family of six children and a seventh on the way. So That's right. That's why it's been so hard for our schedules to... Line up as soon as I think I have the schedule set, something happens, another domino falls. And, oh, sorry, Lise, we got to push it. Uh, and then you're also the co chair with me at Michigan State for our uh, certification program. So we do spend a lot of time uh, on many a lot different of time together, but never enough. No, I know it's so true. So, well, why don't you give us a little bit, you know, of a background so the listeners have a better idea of kind of, you know, where, you know, where you have been uh, and the your types of practices and, you know, about your journey. Sure, I'm happy to. Thanks again for having me. This is it's so exciting. Anytime yeah. I get to spend with you, I just I love it. <laughs> me um, too. And we do go way back, probably at least, I don't know, fifteen years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, about. we've been teaching together for seven or eight now. Yep. Um, but so I've been a PT for about almost 20 years now okay. and then went through the typical kind of mill practices where you're treating three people an hour for eight hours a day, no paid lunches or anything like that. And 
I just got so burnt out. And after going through the Michigan State training, and I really wanted to focus on my manual techniques, mm-hmm. I realized that that takes time and focus. And it really works if you can give that attention to the patients. So after, I don't know, five, six years of just spinning my wheels and trying to make it work within the hamster wheel, I just knew that I couldn't do it and wanted to do my own thing. And it took me a while to get there, but I've had my own practice now since 2014. Okay. And it's been, it's been going well. It's been going very well. That's the Germantown, Maryland ones. That's Patients primarily who have been in just a lifetime of back pain, neck pain, you know, you name it, we see it. They've typically been in pain for a long enough time where now they can't sleep anymore. Right. That's typically right. when they come to see me. And, and then I also, started, oh, and go ahead. And you also see a lot of headaches, right? Chronic I headaches. I do. I see a lot of patients for what we call craniofacial pain. So yep. anything, headaches, jaw pain neck pain, you know, if your head feels heavy on your head or just, you know, you just want someone to just rub back here forever. Typically that's connected to a headache. And I see a lot of people for their headaches and jaw pain. And actually I, another part of my business is working with local dentists where I treat their patients before they get any night guard appliance adjustments, or if they have any kind of oral appliance to widen their palate, that kind of thing. I look at their head from a functional point of view to make sure the appliance allows for their head and the cranial system to go through its normal rhythm. Just because the uh, the appliance might be level in their bite doesn't mean it's a good functional fit. So they bring me in to make sure um, to, to help support them and what they're doing. And we've been getting great outcomes. Yeah, that's that's the that's a huge um, benefit to any dental practice and to a patient that is suffering with any kind of you know head neck and you know TMG. Yeah, it's a very holistic approach, which is it's not common. You know, a lot of times we get very you know, myopic in our in our specialty and we lose sight of the whole patient in front of us. And it's really nice to work with providers who understand that the person coming in is not just a diagnosis. Yep. It's a person who has jaw pain or who has headaches, and then they have a subspecialty that allows them to help a part of that, but then they can bring in other people to look at the whole and address the person and not the, the diagnosis. And it's so nice to be part of that group. Yeah. Talk a little bit about just for our listeners who may not really understand kind of the cranial system and how it impacts jaw pain and, you know, the, any kind of, you know, mouth guard or, or things like that, um, that, you know, are impacting, you know, somebody's pain. Sure. Um, in a very simplistic sense. So the, everything's connected and it all counts, right? So we, we absolutely, absolutely look at everything, but if we're just going to focus on this area, you want to think of it in three different parts. So it's how the head and the neck work together how the head and the jaw work together, and then how the teeth come together. All that needs to be in balance for the system to work well. Because if it's not, then other areas get overstressed and start to break down and become painful. And just a really simple way to test that, what I call it's a craniovertebral bite test. So if you just look straight ahead and you tap your teeth together, get a sense of where that first touch point is. Okay. Then if you let your mouth relax, and look down, sit just how everybody tells you not to, just slump, and then tap your teeth together again. 
If you notice that position changed a little bit. Now, if you keep your mouth just relaxedly open and look straight up to the ceiling and tap again, you can feel that the bite changes just a little bit. So that's how we can influence the bite position just from the change of your head on your neck. Right. And that's why we want all of that, again, it's more complicated than that. Sure. But that's a, a kind of a quick and dirty way to, to appreciate the influence of other areas and how it can affect the bite. Yeah. So definitely. that's what I do. Yeah. I just balance everything else out and let the dentist do their thing with the bite. Right. And I take a look at the rest of the person. Right. Excellent. So if somebody has um, a, 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 you know, a device, is it better to go prior to having that done and have the head worked on or what's up? What is your experience that you find is most beneficial or is it after, or is it maybe it's both? Yeah, it's a really good question. So a lot of times I'll see people before, especially if it's a new appliance that they're going to get molded for, because I want their system to be as pliable and, and vibrant as possible. And then the appliance will help support that. So then I'll see them typically before, and then anytime an adjustment an adjustment is made, I'll see them right after. Yeah, you know, and that really makes sense. It's just like somebody who might have to have surgery, right? Like yeah, totally. lumbar surgery, right? We always try to clean up all the mechanics. So we get things as good as we can get them before the surgery. So that would make exactly. sense. That, yeah, yeah. That that's the same totally. thing. Okay. All right. So you've got the, the practice in Germantown. So now tell us about your climbing practice. I, I know that that's yeah. super exciting and something you've been trying to get well, off. Of them. It's like, I could work a 12 or 14 hour day and come out just so just jack. Like I get so enthusiastic and excited about working with that population. Um, I started that probably two years ago, just a little over okay. and treating with a, out of a, company called Sport Rock. It's one of the oldest climbing gyms in the country. And they're based okay. out of Alexandria. Started treating their directors and a lot of their staff and then their junior team. And then they expanded to make a climbing performance, a climbing performance institute and a ton of high level rock climbers from all over come there to train. And I have a practice within that. And so I'm the head therapist within their climbing performance institute. It initially trying to speak two different languages from a practice point of view. I know a lot of your listeners are clinicians and potentially business owners, right? So ideally you want to have your business avatar, right? Your person. So you speak to your one person and that person says, Oh, they're talking, they're talking to me. Like that's, that's me. You're what you're doing is for me. Yeah. Trying to do that for a person who's been in just in this insufferable amount of spinal pain is very different language and emotion and connection in somebody, a, you know, a teenager looking to perform and stay at a high level of rock climbing. Yes. So because of that, I created a whole separate practice and a whole separate business because the same business couldn't speak two languages. Yeah. And it's been an adventure in trying to run two different businesses at the yeah. same time. And it's, you think it's the same thing. You're just doing the same thing in a different place, but it's a whole other language. It's a whole other system of operations yeah it's, it's been very a, interesting 
very, it's very, very, you know, um, different. And even the mentality, right, of, of your, um, your patients, which is that athlete mentality. And I know you're an avid, you know, you've been rock climbing for a very long time. So, um, you know, when you have that personal experience, and you know, what maybe you've struggled with, when you've gone rock climbing, now you can bring that, you know, to, you know, the patients and your athletes in that practice. So I think that's really cool to have that personal connection. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the being able to speak the language comes into play, right? Because I know I can relate to my avatar, to my person that I speak to, that one person. And it it definitely helps the connection. And it's something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I think people pick up on your passions yes. indirectly that your body language, your energy, your, you know, you're just enthusiasm. So much comes across non-verbally. Yeah that it, it really reinforces that connection and people know, okay, I'm in the right place. Finally, someone knows what I mean when I'm talking about a certain move and is not telling me, we'll just stop climbing. Yeah. You know, it's like telling a runner, we'll just stop running. Or, That's right. That's right. An athlete never wants to hear that. You got to try to keep them in the game or, you know, some kind of active lifestyle while they're going through their rehabilitation. Totally. I know you have a ton of experience working on the tour with tennis players and all your athletes. So sure you know you understand yeah absolutely and then i know within both i think both your practices you have newbie and several different technologies right mm -hmm. that you're using to help kind of speed that healing and and get you know yeah, better outcomes absolutely. right absolutely i've never been a big modalities guy i, I think know. we can and we've spent you know decades and decades mastering our manual therapy craft yes. right? so i can get so i always felt that i could get so much more out of 40 minutes of my hands on somebody than I could an ultrasound or something else. And then I came across newbie yep. from you. You've gotten yep. me into so much trouble. <laughs> I always tell people that if Lisa's calling, just tell her I sign up, I'll do it. <laughs> um, but the newbie has been one of the biggest game changers I've ever come across. And one of the only modalities I use in the practice, yeah. um, the newbie, and we also do a deep tissue laser. And um, we've gotten into a lot of blood flow restriction training lately. Yes. And I just, I love it. The combination of those three modalities yes. with the manual work, it's just, it's been the best all-encompassing approach to patient care that I've ever come across and ever really instituted into the practice. Yeah. And again, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. So now to finally figure out those missing pieces yeah. And get the nervous system to change and and learn about it. It's just so we can correct the mechanics all day long. That's right. But if the nervous system doesn't understand that it's now safe to move, yeah. it's going to default to its known protective state. Yes. And that's where newbie comes in and we can change the neurology and it change the system from the input level. Yes. And then we can get our BFR on and start to load these tissues in a safe way without having to put an excessive amount of stress on them, but still get the hormonal st stimulus, right? And that combination yeah. is just, it's lights out. It's awesome. I know it's, it's been, I've been, I don't know if you personally been doing it, but I, you know, I always like to try things out before I bring it yeah. into my practice and Absolutely. I've been super consistent and we just brought in the in-body uh, nice. body composition. And in three weeks I gained one pound of muscle 
And I decrease like, I don't know, almost two percentage points of, you know, um, body fat. And it was predominantly, I've just done like 20 minutes of doing the BFR and I boosted mm. my, you know, protein intake. And it's like, wow, in three weeks, that's so, you know, when we went through the training. It was like, okay, you know, does this really work? And then now I'm like seeing the changes in a very short so period cool. of time. So that's it's awesome. very cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. And those are the kind of changes that we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's our awesome. patients love that. Right. Because, yeah. you know, um, people don't have time to exercise oftentimes or they hurt, they can't lift heavy. So mm -hmm. the combination of, you know, the manual then with newbie and then the blood flow restriction. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. It's a That's great awesome. combo. Well, awesome. Well, let's jump in to, I know you've got some good tips for us, right? About how you get great clinical outcomes, because ultimately that's what our patients are looking for. And that's what clinicians are really wanting, right? And I know many of our clinicians are, might be, you know, restricted because of time um, within their clinical practice, but, uh, you know, share with us, you know, what you feel are your top three. I've been thinking about these for, since you started your podcast, <laughs> I've been listening to everyone and I have this active note on my phone that I just uh, could be waiting at the airport or traffic light. And I'm just writing down what I want, what I want to say to Lisa. Um, I just got back from teaching with Carl. We did muscle energy too, um, advanced muscle energy up at Michigan state. Uh, and I think the biggest theme that, that he and I tried to, to instill in, in our students there is to be clinically honest. Yes. And I think that there's so many different treatment approaches out there. You could be a McKenzie or a Maitland or a Mulligan or a, an osteopathically based or whatever you do. Right. And that's fine. They all have great application, but regardless of what approach you use, be honest and test and retest and say, yeah. did it work? Just because maybe you did a thrust manipulation, you got to great pop. So what? Right. Did it change what you were looking to change in the way you expected it to change yes. based on what you've done up to that point? Because you and I have both had patient cases where we've done things that we know should change the system. Yes. But didn't. And then we have to step back and say, why? Why? The great case in this is I just had a, a guy, I've been seeing him for years off and on, avid kite boarder, rock climber, really great guy. He had some upper lumbar restriction and I tried for three sessions mm -hmm. and I couldn't budget. Yeah. I couldn't change it. He had adverse femoral nerve tension. Um, he's getting numbness, tingling in the inner thigh. This is L2, L3 region. Yep. And I couldn't, I couldn't get a good spring on that L2, 3. I just, I couldn't restore normal mechanics. Yeah. I was like, buddy, something's not right. Yep. Just, I, I don't know what it is, but what I'm doing isn't working and right. it should at least change something. Yes. So I had him get an MRI and they found a mass in his spine at the L2-3 nerve root, yep. compromising it on the right side. And then we're checking in for potential lymphoma and all these other things. So this, that could have saved his life. Yeah. Absolutely. And we never would have come across it if it wasn't just a matter of, okay, what's the... Did he respond the way he should have? And yes. maintaining that clinical honesty, I think is just key. 
Yeah, you know, and that's something, you know, Carl instilled in me so early on. And mm -hmm. I've had similar cases, you know, where, you know, two to three sessions, either they're not getting better or they're getting worse. And that is when you're like, okay, time out, you know, because if there is a certain expectation of how the musculoskeletal system should respond, and if it doesn't, then, you know, then you got to stop and you got to step back and uh, I, I, I totally agree. Like that, that stuff can walk into your clinic. You know, oh yeah. Uh, and I've had it many yeah, times. Absolutely. And the longer you do this stuff and I, and I was listening to Galen's podcast Yes. That his, when he was a guest and yep. I think he said something that was so incredibly accurate is that the longer you're doing this and the better you get at this stuff, yeah. the more complex patients you see. Oh yeah. And that can sometimes not, it can present as a musculoskeletal issue, but not be. So to be honest with that always is my number one key for any kind of professional success is just be honest with yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, that is, that is so, so true. And sometimes it's actually not even the musculoskeletal system. It's yeah. just responding through the musculoskeletal system, exactly. you know, and it can be whether it's like what you found or sometimes somebody's nervous system is so under threat by so many mm -hmm. stressors that the, the littlest thing would make them worse you know, yeah. that also that doesn't make sense. Right. And then, you mm -hmm. know, okay. And then we have other tools for that where we're, you know, working with the newbie, you know, to do like master exactly. reset and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out what is the best intervention based on, you know um, you know, what they're finding. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, just cause something doesn't move. doesn't mean you just push harder. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And it's just, that's the number one thing. Yeah. Okay, good. Number one, get second to would be find a group of people that are as passionate about what you do as you are. I mean, I, I've been so lucky in my career to find you, find Carl, um, Mark, yeah. bless Mark, um, the whole crew up at, at Michigan State. It's just been, it's been such a great family to be a part of because we're all just so passionate about this profession and what we do and we support each other we challenge each other and to have that that community yeah is so important yeah. and not feel so alone and overwhelmed by just taking on your patient's issues and never feeling like you're good enough and like the imposter syndrome and all these things that still tickle the back of your brain right and having a group of people to explain that to you and to challenge you and your and what you're doing and, and encourage you to be better and support you when you fail and that's to be part of that community and to have that is so important yeah it's and, so huge and i i think that that there are not a lot of clinicians that maybe have that right i mean really mm -hmm. have that strong community so yeah i mean finding that whether it be you know through teachings like what we're doing or you know different organizations um that is that's been a huge impact you know the people and the clinicians in my world um absolutely you know push you and make you want to be better yeah yeah it's it's just it gives you that extra motivation and that extra support that it's like for me, it's hard. I tend to be an internally driven person, but when I know, like, oh man, I, I need to know my stuff because I'm going to go teach with Carl. 
Right. <laughs> and, and he's going to hold my feet to the fire, which is what I need. Yeah. And that, that just, it helps me really focus on my anatomy and focus on mine, you know, on the basics. And it yeah. brings me back to all that. And I think if we can get that support and that extra little push is just so crucial. And then that leads to better clinical outcomes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you, you tend to push yourself more when you surround yourself with associations that are either in that same mind, you know, space or, you know, they're maybe even at a higher level. Like when we, when I first started teaching, I remember teaching with Mark and Carl and I was just like, you know, like how, how am I ever going to like compete with these guys? But it drives you to be better. Like you said, get better at your anatomy and you know how you present. And Carl always used to teach, you know, say to me, you know, less is more. <laughs> yes. I mean, we, I've we, been on the receiving had, of that many times. We both times. had that reminder from Carl, haven't we? <laughs> Absolutely. And several others. <laughs> but that's, that's just been it's just been so crucial to my development. Yeah. And I, I would wish that on everybody that they can find the people that, that make them better. Yes. And then you can give back to those people. Like I, we're teaching each other things all the time. And yeah. Carl's been doing this for 40 years and I showed him a new technique this past course. Nice. And it's like, we're still so excited to learn this. And I, I just hope that everybody can be a part of a community like that. Yeah. Because it's a tough job and it, it's, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of dedication and you're dealing with people in pain and yeah. to have a group that is your group for support and encouragement is just a win trade for the world. Yeah, I agree. It's a great one. And my last one would be for top three. And this is for those clinicians who are maybe starting out on their own practice, things like that would be to fail fast. Mm -hmm. um, I, for a long, the first several years in my practice, I was in the same building as a DL and he had an existing practice. I came in and kind of worked under him for a while and then started my own practice in that location. And we just shared staff, but they were always technically his staff. Yeah. And he was very old school, paper charts, handwritten documentation, but I thought, well, this will be safe, right? And, and you know, I guaranteed in, like referral source, all these different things. It was very safe. Mm. And I did that for years until I, I realized that there were just things that I wanted to advance and I wanted to try and do that I, I couldn't. Mm. So then I left that practice and just moved seven doors down, seven or eight doors down in the same complex. But now I'm officially on my own. Yeah. And I've been doing, I've been in that location for about, for a few years now, yeah. but in the first two years of that, I failed more, yep. but grew more at the same time than in six years of being in the safe location. Yep. And I only wish that, man, I wish I had made these mistakes 10 years ago. Yeah. And so if you're going to fail, just fail fast, make a decision, act on it. And if it works, great. If it fails, okay. Reassess and move on. Um, so if you can make those decisions and those early failures, you'll be so far ahead of the game. You'll learn so much from them rather than always playing it safe. That's and right. Careful. 
And I think as a clinician, you know, many of us are afraid to fail, right? Oh my gosh, you have a family at home, you have patients that you're carrying up. So much depends on your ability to to not only get people better, but to make the right choices and earn an income. Absolutely. And it's, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it really is. And really understanding that underlying why you may be afraid. So I know you're going right currently through the hero's journey. I am. Right. Yeah, and that is an amazing program by Darren Hardy. Oh, I love it. Went through last year. And it is, it was just it was so impactful in my leadership mm-hmm. and personal development. And I think, you know, um part of figuring out like, okay, it's okay to fail is understanding some of those underlying, you know, issues. And, you know, so finding a program that like that, that really mm-hmm. helps you explore more, um, you know, and he, Darren talks about that all the time. And I've you know, even Greg, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's okay to fail. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, those that fail more succeed more, right? Cause exactly. yeah. push the boundaries. Totally. And yeah. so not that I wish failure on anybody, no, of course, but, but if you're going to yeah. do it, just do it quickly. That way you can recover faster and you can be on, you can learn the lesson and, and move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing, if I can add one more, if yeah, there's time, of course. I love it. I listen to the Ed Milet show a whole yes. lot. I know he's the mentor of our business mentor. And there was something that he said the other day is you know, when, when a mistake happens, rather than saying, oh, man, I'm such an idiot or I'm so stupid for making that mistake. A lot of I know I have that internal dialogue, sure. whether it's like a game of chess or it's something else I'm like, oh, man, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I really tried to turn that around since hearing what he said. And, and, and what he does is when he makes a mistake, he says, wow, that's not like me. Mm. And he he removes himself by by saying that. You remove yourself from the mistake. Right. And you understand that that mistake does not define you. That's unlike you. Right. So you remove your, your, yourself from the mistake, but allow yourself to learn the lesson. Yes. And I think that that internal self-talk has made a huge change in myself. And I, when I go, I make that mistake, whatever, I'll go down that road initially. And I, I, no, that's just unlike me. Yeah. And then I, I'm reinforcing to myself that that negative behavior, that negative outcome, that's not me. Right. That's very unlike me, but I can learn from it. And I think that's such a cool lesson. Yeah, that really is. And it's really about mindset, you know, Ooh. and self-talk. So um, that's, yeah, I haven't listened to his podcast. I'll have to check it out. It's, really. it's awesome. You know, there's so I many. I'm saving <laughs> almost every one of them, but there's a few that I listen to almost daily if, if not definitely weekly yeah because they get me in the right mindset and after going on hero's journey and, and understanding how important that is yeah it's it's just been it's been great yeah highly that's recommend awesome. that's awesome i'm excited that you're that you're you're that you're going through that so um we'll have yeah. to talk more about it for sure oh yeah it's great so, um, so I know that obviously, you know, we teach together, you teach your patients, you have your own particular audience, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so tell the listeners, like, what do you think that you bring that your audience really appreciates? You know, are there any tips that can kind of come out of that uh, process through uh, teaching, sharing uh, your knowledge with others? 
think kind of self-reflection is always the hardest and trying to pick out our good things <laughs> is you always have lots so, of them. <laughs> it's always so hard. Um, so I've actually went back through and looked at what some of the student evaluations yeah. said. And kind of two themes came across is that I'm I'm passionate about this. I love I love what we do. I think we're we're so lucky to be doing this and then to be able to teach it yeah. and then influence the lives of other people through that is just awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think we're really lucky in that. I think that passion comes across. And then I'm just as simple as it gets. So I I can take these complex themes and principles and just make them very simple. Yeah. And that's the level where I like to operate. It's just so simple. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, those are great and I've, you know, in teaching with you, I can say I can definitely, you know, see that and, you know, uh it's um, you know, and I, and we we've, we've kind of watched each other grow over the years, mm -hmm. right? With our teaching style and um and yeah, and that's been um that's been cool to see. Oh, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been so great. Cool. Well, is there anything else of value that you have? I know that you've been working on a headache program, you know, and, you know, some different, you know, opportunities maybe to share with our listeners. Is there anything else that you'd like to, um, you know, bring a value to them? Yeah, totally. Uh, I know we have some Michigan State uh, discount for courses, yep. right? So that I would say, please take advantage of. Yeah. It's just... It's an awesome experience, and uh, so that would be the first one. Yes. And then I am I'm working on the final touches of a virtual headache program, and primarily for patients who have what we call a cervicogenic headache. So it's there's a lot of different ways headaches can arise. Right. Very frequent, very frequently though, and and I what I found is more frequently than what the literature would say. There's a neck component driving that headache mm -hmm. and that specific subgroup of patients suffering from headaches I can help very well virtually and and make a big difference so I'm trying to expand that reach and help as many people as we can so I'm trying to put in the finishing touches on that program what okay. I can do is give you a uh, just I made a checklist of questions to know are your headaches even coming from your neck at all oh that would so just be 10 great quick questions and if you answer yes to any of them, chances are your neck might be involved or at least contributing to your headache and it might be worth a talk. And it's a free talk. There's never any charge for that. Just to sit down and say, okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. It might be affecting your headache. So if you either have patients out there who have what you think might be headaches coming from their neck, yep. you can use this questionnaire uh, and it might help guide you in the right direction. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we'll put that in the show link, you know, a link to, you know, to download that. That would be Great. awesome. Yeah, definitely send that to me and yeah. we'll share that out. Cool. All right. Well, then tell, uh, tell us how we can find you. So if people want to reach out, they'll, I know we'll have your, you know, uh, your website in mm -hmm. the uh, show notes, uh, but uh, main way that they can get in touch with you. Uh, the best way is probably email, just okay. Cooper at omt specialists with an s at the end there dot com or um dr cooper at the beta pt okay you'll have all those links uh yep. i'm working on more of a social media presence yes i, I am on facebook at omt specialists instagram same account omt specialists 
working on some more climbing related content as well for the beta PT. So it's out there. Uh, either either venue works fine. I get right back to you and I'll answer everything personally. Awesome. Well, I so appreciate your time coming on to the show, uh, but more importantly, your friendship. So, oh, you know, best, Lisa. you know, I love you. Best. I know. Love you too, buddy. All right. Well, until next time, keep getting great outcomes. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rehab Link's Secrets to Success. If you haven't already, please share this out so that more people can get access to Rehab Link's Secrets to Success. Now, if you would like to work with us and connect with my team, please go to www.rehablinksystems.com where you can find our free tools, online trainings, and many resources to help you get great clinical outcomes. We look forward to serving you. Until next time.